0: welcome back to the we know ball podcast and we are back with another week of breakdown from this weekend of football gavin pretty good weekend i'm not gonna lie man we had some great college games and the nfl got us a few surprises
1: Yeah, I surely was not disappointed in the college football slate, which I referred to as college football Armageddon last week. And yeah, the NFL delivered. There were some big, big spreads in the NFL that ended up being close games. And even an upset with uh, the Dallas Cowboys going down to Arizona, which nobody saw coming. So excited to hop into it. Jumping into
0: the agenda though, we got another week of recaps for you. We obviously are going to break down all the huge games in college football, give you our winners and losers of the week, and of course, round it out with our picks over in the NFL. Of course, we're going to just go through game by game as per usual and break down our picks. It was a really bad weekend for me in both, so we'll get to that, but I think I might need to try a new strategy here with my gambling. But obviously... (laughs) Call ball is the big story of the weekend. So let's start there. And I think we gotta jump to this Clemson FSU game first because oh man, Gab, this was one of the worst coaching performances I think I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, for the viewers at home, the listeners at home, I apologize. I'm about to rip Dabo Sweeney a new asshole. This game was dominated by the Clemson Tigers. Dominated. Florida State had no business being anywhere close in this game. I'm going to read you the final stats, Jasper, the final team stats for each team, just to prove to you how lopsided this game was. Florida State, 311 total yards of offense. 22 Total rushing yards the entire game 289 passing, seven penalties for 60 yards. They didn't turn the ball over and they had the ball for 25 minutes. Clemson, 429 total yards of offense, 146 of that came from the ground, six penalties for 50 yards. They committed fewer penalties, one turnover and they had the ball for 35 minutes. Now, obviously, people are going to say that one turnover was a seven point turnover. Sure. You're right, it was, but Clemson won the rest of the game by more than seven points. How in the fuck do you lose this game? I'll tell you how. One guy, Dabo Swinney, he must've just forgotten the game management portion of being a college football head coach because this was the worst managed game I have seen probably ever. I'm gonna point out three key parts that really stuck out to me, but I mean, he, he was using his fucking timeouts like goddamn Halloween candy. And then at the end of the first half, your team's up 17-7, to 10-point lead, and FSU gets the ball back with about 90 seconds left. Again, they rushed for 22 yards the whole fucking game. The only way they were attacking this Clemson defense was through Jordan Travis and their incredible wide receiver room. So what does Dad Boy decide to do? He decides to rush three guys the whole fucking drive and just allow Jordan Travis to pick his secondary apart. If you rush three, they're going to pick you apart. Florida State's wide receivers are way too good to let them make plays down the field when the quarterback is all day to throw. What the fuck are we doing? Florida State gets in the end zone, three-point game, so much different going to the half. Clemson plays a nearly flawless third quarter, aside from that scoop and score. Fourth quarter, it's a dogfight. 24-24, come down to the wire. Clemson has the ball on the FSU 15 with 90 seconds left. What the fuck are we doing running a double reverse pass with 90 seconds left on the FSU 15? Stops the clock and then to put the cherry on top, the next play, a rushing play that goes to negative two. Dabo was playing for a field goal from a guy that he called to rejoin the team this week. What the fuck? And then... (laughs) <laughs> to top it all off, third and one in overtime, and he calls an RPO screen pass, sneak the fucking ball. Yeah, that's that. that that's all I got to say about that because Clemson should have won this game by two scores. I'm done. I'm done. I hate Dabo winning. I think you said everything there is to say there. Dabo really just looks out of touch with the current state of college football,
0: man. And it's weird that we really haven't seen this before. Because has Dabo always been this guy, or is this just the new era of Clemson football where he doesn't want to reach an NIL? He doesn't want to reach in the transfer portal. He hires Garrett Riley, which I'm now convinced is just a phantom coach. I think he's just there to show that Dabo's trying to do something because it's clear at this point that Dabo is still the one calling plays. There's no. Yeah, there's no way Garrett Riley gets that cute on third and one. Even for, like, this guy who's supposed to be a revolutionary offensive mind and what he did at TCU. No. Garrett Riley made all his money last year off Max Duggan running the football. Kay Klubnick is a running quarterback. Third and one, you got to let him go and do it. Obviously, I mean, FSU wins this game. I think Norvell did coach his team well, despite, like, the ground game being unable to get after it. And, yeah, man, I mean, this Clemson team... I really don't know what to make of them because they have the potential to be good and win this ACC. And the announcers even said in the weekend, is this just round one of Clemson versus FSU? Dabo needs to clean this shit up, man. I mean, this ACC, yeah, it's too good for him to be playing like this. He's going to lose to teams he shouldn't. Now, I think Duke, he got outcoached. It's just been a matter of him getting outcoached all year, honestly. I mean, we'll see what he has going forward, but yeah, I talked about it in my in our season preview. It might be Dabo on the hot seat after this season. I really just don't see a way out for this Clemson team.
1: He absolutely should be, and I, I think you hit it on the head. He's failing to adapt to the modern era of college football, starting with the transfer portal and not dipping his feet in there. But the transfer portal didn't lose in this game. I mean, he had the talent to win. I, sh- I, I showed the viewers the stats. Clemson dominated this football game. Just game management, man, and that's also new era of college football. I cannot wrap my head around why on whatever down it is and one yard to go, why we aren't just QB sneaking every fucking time. It's not a difficult concept. The Eagles do it, and they get a yard every single play. So, I mean, beyond that, it's it's really, really hard to watch. He has not adapted, and I will not ever be backing him in a game ever again. <laughs> I love
0: it. All right, jumping over to the first matchup of our Pac 12 Carnage of the Weekend, and that was the Colorado Buffalo getting blown out by Oregon. And Gavin, the Dion hype has finally taken a back seat.
1: Yeah, it has. And, well, the Dion hype hasn't taken a back seat. The hype around how good this team is finally took a back seat. And it was about time. There's still hype around their culture and you know, how they play their football and Deion Sanders in general. But this game to me was about Colorado finally getting revealed for the talent gap that exists between them and the rest of the Pac-12. Because there is one. On offense, they're still very good. I mean, Shador, he's he's going to be an NFL quarterback one day, but he has no time to throw the football. Only one team in college football has given up more sacks than Colorado this year. That is bad. One team across every single conference. And that will continue. That's not something that just gets fixed overnight. And then on the defensive side, I mean, you saw an incredibly efficient Oregon offense just march down the field time and time again. And Colorado's defense had absolutely no answer to it. Here's where it gets even worse. They have a huge target on their back. A huge target after the first three weeks. And it's not all their fault. The media blew them up as, you know, a phenomenal team. Everyone's writing them off. They're really good. But they bought into it. You know, Dion's feeding into it. Shador's uh, feeding into it and they now have a huge target in their backs because guess what you don't think usc wants to one-up Oregon this weekend you don't think lincoln rally wants to come out and hang 58 on their heads you don't think that washington wants to come out and hang 72 like every single team in the Pac-12 is going to want to do this to them and i'm looking at their schedule going forward they need to beat stanford and both the arizona teams to get to six wins because i don't see them winning another game besides that i'm right there with
0: you man i mean listen the buffs were always a phenomenon not a front runner and <laughs> showed this week you know like we said I mean, I, I think Dion in a couple of years will absolutely build this team into a powerhouse because who doesn't want to come and play for Deion Sanders the way he shows how much he loves his kids and loves to win. But obviously, like, they played a bad TCU team. They beat a really bad Nebraska team. They almost lost the week prior to Colorado State. This was bound to happen. I mean, the Oregon offense, they came out. They played fast. Bo Nix looked incredible. Their defense did I mean Colorado's offensive line is nothing to write home about but their defense played well. My problem right now after this game is the fact that we're acting like Dan Lanning is some messiah of football. You beat a mid-tier Pac-12 team. Let's calm down. This Dan Lanning is going to be the front runner for the Georgia job in a couple years. This is ridiculous. Colorado we all saw this coming. Like we even said on our preview, two or three scores. It was a lot more than two or three. I expected Colorado to at least score a touchdown in this one. But man, I mean, it's it's going to be a tough road ahead for the Buffalo. Obviously, I mean, next week, the over set at 70 plus. I don't think it's getting there the way this offense played this week. Granted, the USC defense is still not great. We saw that against ASU this week. But yeah, I mean, the fact that we were acting like Colorado was a contender is a little overzealous. I think in a couple of years, they're going to get there, but this is the Deion Sanders effect, man. He is going to piss people off, and they're going to come out and want to make a statement against this Buffalo team.
1: Yep, it's going to persist this season, next season, but as you said, they will get better uh, with, with Dion getting in the transfer portal and recruiting, obviously. Uh, right now, there simply just exists a, a, a talent gap, and it's not really anything that's able to be overcome um, this season, especially considering the talent in the Pac-12. And yeah, as far as the Dan Lanning goes, I, I think he's a phenomenal football coach but he needs to prove to me he can win the big game first and this wasn't a big game
0: exactly that's my problem with this he'd be like if he plays this game kind of game against asu we are just skipping over it entirely it's just the fact that it's Dion in colorado and you're right the talent gap is there man he's gonna get some more dogs and leaders on that team next year he's gonna make some noise in the big 12 but this just isn't the year for Dion, you know like the fact that you've got this colorado team to three wins is a win enough for this season for me
1: yeah yeah and if they can get to six and go bowling that's that's something that nobody in no Nobody in America thought they'd do this year. So they've already overachieved, but the, t- the the problems statistically still remain with the sacks and the defense, and it's going to continue week in, week out.
0: Yeah, and they were always there. It's just It was just a matter of time before this team got exposed.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Absolutely correct.
0: All right, sticking with the Pac-12, UCLA went down to Utah 14-7, to and Gavin, I'm really starting to buy into this Utah team at 4-0 without Cam rising. <laughs> I'm going to... S-
1: pretty heavily disagree with you right there uh,
0: Here we
1: go. Yeah, on 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 a couple of bases. So, uh, th- there's no there's no question that that nobody in the country is better than Utah at stopping the run. They have the best run defense in America, and it's not particularly close. They're allowing 1.7 yards per rush right now. It's it's pretty insane. And the team right behind them at 1.9, UCLA. So this was a great a great game of two physical football teams that stopped the run better than just by anybody here's my problem with utah they scored one offensive touchdown again this week and that's been the theme in each of the three games they've played against power five teams against florida in week one they scored a bomb or they threw a bomb on the very first play of the game it's one play and then failed to move the football the rest of the game until florida trotted out three guys were the same number on defense uh on, on a punt and they got another one right there i think they scored maybe four or five offensive touchdowns against power five's teams in their three games. It's nothing to write home about. On the ground, it's okay. I mean, Nate Johnson is obviously getting it done with his legs a little bit. Uh, but against this UCLA team, they only accumulated 219 total yards of offense. And watching that game, they have zero playmakers on the outside. Nate Johnson's favorite target in this game was freshman wide receiver, Mikey Matthews. And he isn't exactly wowing me with his speed or his, his route running ability. Brant Keithy's still hurt. When he comes back, he'll be the main target, but to have your tight end be the main playmaker on your team, Brant Keithy isn't Brock Bowers to tell you that much. Cam Rising coming back, obviously will give this offense a jolt. Obviously for me to say it won't would be absolutely blasphemous, but he can't do it alone. And against the pass, they're not that good. Good. Like, if you're looking at opponent yards per attempt, they give up 7.3 yards per attempt, which is worse than Colorado. Yards per completion, they give up over 10, which places them over a hundredth in the FBS. Sorry they give 13.5 yards yards per completion. And this isn't because teams need to throw a, the ball against them because they're losing. They've been playing tight games. Quarterbacks are eating them alive. So when they play a team this weekend in Oregon State, in Corvallis, away from Rice Eccles where they're historically bad, I have serious concerns for how DJ Uyadale is going to attack them down the field, let alone Michael Penix and Caleb Williams. That's my take on this team. They're tough. They're physical. There's no doubting that. They always have been. They always will be but they lack the playmakers and the passing defense to make them a threat and for me to put them over teams like Washington and Oregon
0: I like all those takes. I think (laughs) I disagree with you is because we haven't seen this Utah team as a complete squad obviously Cam Rising hasn't been there but this team got bit by the injury bug bad during the summer they're down starting offensive linemen they're down starting wide receivers they're even down a running back they're down they're down players on defense like this team we haven't seen it at full strength so I am really excited to see these guys get back from injury and see what we got there but after this weekend i put pac 12 teams into two categories fun and those dudes for me (laughs) if cam rising gets back and he can open up this offense the way i think he can utah's on the brink of becoming those dudes now you mentioned corvallis this weekend obviously going to be a challenge, but you saw the way that O-line played against Washington State this weekend. That D-line is going to get after it, and when DJ Uyunglele got under pressure, he made a couple mistakes. Now, I'm still a big buyer in Oregon State. I love them as a squad, and we'll get to them in a bit here, but I think this Utah team has a lot of potential, and right now, I'm going to get kind of crazy and drop a little hot take on you. I think they're going to be in that Pac-12 championship.
1: I, I cannot put them over Washington and Oregon right now. There's There's no way I'm doing that, but to be fair, they are they are bit by the injury bug. My, my take on that, though, is that it, it I mean, you know, you're already f- four games into the season. You can't exactly expect your team to come together and start playing like well oiled machine right away right when those guys come back and they're hitting an incredibly difficult part of their schedule right now they go into Corvallis this weekend and remember we talked about this during our Pac-12 preview um they're great at home they don't lose at home but they don't win on the road like ever so they go into Corvallis this weekend then they get Cal at home then they got to go to the Coliseum to play USC then they get Oregon at home then they got Arizona State at home then they need to go to Seattle and play Washington I have them losing at least two of those games, more likely three. They lose all four. I mean, obviously write the season off, uh, but it's, it's a tough stretch coming up. They're going to win with how they won this weekend it's making their opponents play their style of football shutting down the run forcing guys to throw the ball but they're they're not really stopping the pass right now the problem is Dante Moore wasn't ready to do it himself he's he's still too young UCLA is a decent team they're they're not ready to take that step into the upper echelon of the Pac-12 just yet when there won't be any Pac-12 so they'll they'll have some they'll have some adjusting to do in the Big Ten um and yeah Yeah, Utah's good. They haven't proven me they're great. I want to see them stop the pass and pass the ball a little bit themselves because they've been very inefficient in that regard.
0: I think this team can beat USC. (laughs) I mean, they've had USC's number the past, probably the past half decade. But, I mean, USC did not look good against ASU. I think if Cam Rising's back, they can hang around with them offensively just just enough to let that defense make a play or two, turn the ball over. I think they can beat Oregon State this weekend. Oregon's a question mark for me. And I think they definitely beat Cal. Well,
1: they'll beat Cal. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about the it, – it, it's it's USC, Oregon State, Oregon, Washington. And they get Oregon State, USC, and Washington on the road in those games. They're going to to Washington. That's that's whatever. Washington Boston, is – I, I think they match up horribly against this Oregon State team. I mean, Oregon State, um, Yeah, you know, obviously they got 38 hung on them this weekend by Washington State. That was all through the air. All of it was through the air. Oregon State shuts down the run. They're very good against the run. And Cam Ward just had all day to throw because they couldn't get that D line home, take apart that secondary. It looked bad because it was, but this Utah team cannot throw the football like cam warden was you can throw the football that's why i think oregon state's defense will be far better this weekend and on the offensive side of things dj was able to, to to throw the ball down the field pretty effectively this weekend did he throw a pick sure uh but with damian martinez damian martinez needs to get going because dj can't do it alone but if they can get damian going just a little bit it'll give dj the chance to open the field a little bit and again in corvallis i i like the matchup for the beavers but but you're right you it's a physical team, and if this turns into a physical game, we know who's winning. Yeah,
0: and I just think <clears throat> last last point on Utah here. I think Utah can make teams play their game a little better than Florida can, and f- we saw what Florida can do against a high-powered offense.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll, we'll we'll see this. We'll see this Friday, and I'm sure we'll we'll preview this game. Obviously, coming up on Thursday here. So I'm excited. Pac-12 is is lived up to the hype. Yeah, yeah.
0: Before we jump to that Oregon State Washington State game, we gotta give. Uh, Nick Saban is credit here because he just owns Lane Kiffin. Bama, once again, topping Ole Miss in Tuscaloosa. What'd you see in this one here, Gav?
1: Well, a lot of people are going to say that they saw Bama finally return to form and that, you know, the defense stepped up and played well. They were able to shut down Jackson Dart. Offense got going. That's not what I saw even in the slightest. Bama's offense still looks horrible. Uh, uh, Jalen Milrow got sacked four more times in this game. They're still not protecting them. They stopped the run. Uh, Ole Miss only ran for 56 yards, which is obviously great. And the reason they lost this football game, because they couldn't get the run going and it forced Jackson Darton company company uh, to become one-dimensional on offense and the Bama defense was able to shut that down because the Ole Miss offense is not as good as the Texas offense. But, as I said, they still couldn't protect Milrow. Four sacks in this game. It was really hard to watch. Uh, 300 256 total yards of offense, 225 of that through the air. They were efficient through the air. 81% completion percentage. 13.2 average per completion. However, Jalen Milrow threw an awful interception in the end zone. Pretty sure everyone saw that. And I mean, 225, he, he was efficient, yeah, but he didn't wow me. I mean, like I said, this team held Ole Miss to 56 yards on the ground. That Ole Miss offense became one-dimensional and Bama was able to take control because of that. Milrow just simply didn't have to make any mistakes and he tried to. he threw a pick in the end zone in, in the first half, which I, which I just uh, harped on a little bit. But this wasn't a, a, a wow me game for Bama. I think they found their identity and run the ball and play this type of game where you shut down the other team's running attack. Out, be more physical than them. They're, they're, they're like Utah to me. They're, they shut down the run. Force teams become one-dimensional. They're fine against the pass. They're not great. But on offense, I still have serious question marks.
0: Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think you hit it on the head there. They have to become a running team and they have to get it done in play action. That's all you need at Jalen Milrow. You just need him to hit the pass when, it's, when you fake out the run, you confuse the defense and you have a wide receiver streaking down the field. That's all he has to do. Now, the defense played well, but Keyshawn Judkins has just been a no-show this year. So I don't I really don't know how much of that is on Bama being good on the defensive side of the football. I think Bama and Clemson might be the same team. Maybe I mean Kate Klebnik is a little more talented than Jan Milrow, obviously, but their game, they win the game on the ground and they win the game by stopping their team's run, as you said. Now this kind of bodes well for them in this West, though, because it's a lot of teams where you if you stop the run. They're not going to play well. We saw it with Mississippi State, and more importantly, we saw it with LSU. If you can stop LSU from running the football, they're going to have a good chance to win the West. They're going to get dogged by Georgia if they make it out of the West, though, into the na- or into the SEC championship game. This Bama team, it's a good step in the right direction, but I need to see more, especially because I mean Jalen Melrose just needs to complete passes and he needs to come- score touchdowns. Like I know that's way too much to ask from him, but you are the Alabama Crimson Tide. You should not be playing close. Like, you should be playing Big 12 football, you know? Or not, sorry, Big 10 football. This is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I'm starting to be really concerned for how this team is going to look when they play the Georges of the world and when they play. I mean, again, it it bodes well for them in the West, as you said. But they need teams to play their brand of football, which is stopping the run and making it a physical game where they are in control and can let their defense uh, win the game for them. If they get behind early and Milro and company have to throw to get back in it, they're going to really, really, really struggle in games like that. Do they play Florida this year? Uh, let's find out. I don't think they do. Oh, man, this would be a great year for that game. It'd be like <laughs> six to three. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, no, but you know, Florida does play is Florida State, and that that'll be a fun one to watch because uh Florida State will not be running the ball on that one. Uh they do not get Florida. Their schedule from here on out pretty cupcake. They got they're on the road uh in Starkville this weekend. Then they go on the road to AM, which is a perennial trap game for the for the Crimson Tide. Where Max Johnson played this weekend, that's a loss for Alabama. <laughs> at home against Arkansas, at home against Tennessee, at home against LSU. You. They get everyone at home. Kentucky on the road. Kentucky looks good. Kentucky looks good. Uh at- right right
0: about Kentucky, we'll see. We'll see.
1: <laughs> at home against Chattanooga on the road against Auburn. So, I mean, Kentucky will be a tough one. The, the road games will be tough. But everyone they get at home, they should be able to play their brand of football there. Yeah, Chattanooga is a trap game for them, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like yeah. a week Chattanooga. we'll
0: see what the crimson tide got in their bag of tricks i feel like this team has to improve halfway through the year but that's also asking a lot but yeah man i think they're definitely gonna lose to AM. kentucky is i mean devin leary looks fucking awesome so we'll see how that goes But let's route out our Pac-12 breakdown here, and that's Oregon State and Washington State, the battle of the Pac-2 in Pullman. And Cam Moore can throw that thing, man. Holy shit. The Cougs, I'm putting them in those dudes category in the Pac-12.
1: I'm not quite ready to put them in those dudes category yet. I'm ready to put their passing game in those dudes category, absolutely. But like I said about Oregon State, not being able to get to them. Cam Ward had years to throw the football in this game. I mean, he didn't even get pressured once. I think he had – I can see how many pressures they had on him, actually. Um, where are we at here? Where are we at here? Show me the defense. I'm either blind or – oh, here we go. Yeah, they only got two QB hur- hurries on Cam Ward the entire football game. Time about Ward State. He had all day to throw it, let his playmakers get open, Make their make their plays down the field – they played their brand of football. It was a great matchup for them. They looked phenomenal through the year. Oregon State picked their defense apart. Oregon State put up 440 yards of offense, uh, 242 of that came on the ground. They could not stop Damian Martinez and company. 198 passing yards for a DJ, one interception. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine the Oregon state's not going to win games with dj they're going to win him with their ground game uh which actually bodes well for youth this weekend as you were saying but yeah washington state their their brand of football is going to be just straight up races they're gonna they're gonna play in shootouts they're gonna race teams to see who can score more points they're gonna let cam young sling that thing and hey they're a top 20 team in the country right now so they, it's working
0: i think they deserve to be a top 20 team in the country and i mean I think the thing that stuck out to me is, like you said, Cam Ward had all day to throw. If Oregon State's not going to put a dent in that offensive line, what team in the Pac-12 is?
1: Well, Oregon State doesn't have a whole lot of perennial uh, pass rushers. They stop the run really well, but they don't really get an elite pass rush on anybody. Uh, Utah will give them problems in the pass rush. Uh, Oregon will give them serious problems in the pass rush. So will Washington. So we'll, we'll we'll see what they're made of when they play those teams.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, there's Utah again. So there we go. Um, <laughs> but Yeah. I mean, Washington State, huge win for them, obviously, in Pullman. They're probably going to win that game eight times out of ten at home. But, yeah, I mean, I think they're they're on the brink of becoming those dudes if they can play a little more defense. And they're not a fluke. They're going to be in the games in every Pac-12 team they play. And how fun is the Apple Cup going to be this year?
1: It'll be fucking awesome. And you're right. I'm not giving this and their flowers they're very good they're gonna like you said they're gonna be in every game is it gonna be a shootout yes but that's just fucking incredible for the fans to watch so yeah the apple cup's gonna be phenomenal washington versus oregon's gonna be phenomenal washington state football is just fun to watch this year
0: hoogs over is the rest of the year that's what we're riding (laughs) seriously All right, jumping over to Iowa, Penn State, and plain and simple, the Iowa Hawkeyes are the same team they've always been. If you were confused and thought this Iowa Hawkeyes team improved on offense and that those Brian Ferentz deep fakes were real, you are an idiot. This team got wiped by Penn State, and, uh, yeah, I think we're going to be started, uh singing Brian Ferentz's funeral pretty soon here.
1: Yeah, we'll get to the winners and losers here in a second, Uh, but I'll give you a sneak peek. One of my losers is anybody with the last name Ferentz uh they they got penn state came out and basically made a mockery of them and we predicted it iowa's offense oh they're they're scoring 28 points a game no they're not they came mcnamara struggled against western michigan last week how do we expect them to play against a top 10 defense in the country exactly like this zero points never got anything going they had 76 total yards of offense this game jasper That's all you need to say about Iowa. On the Penn State side of things, though, they looked good, but I didn't see more from this offense, I think. Uh, Well, you know what? I take that back. I don't need to see more from this offense because the defense is so fucking good. The defense is top 10 in the country in just about every metric you look at. The offense isn't exactly wowing me, but they're getting it done where they need to. They're playing what their brand of football is going to be this year. And that is dominating the time of possession and not making mistakes. They are yet to turn the football over this year. The only team in the country with zero turnover so far this year. That's how they're going to win games. They they hold the ball for about 38 minutes a game. It's, it's top five in the country. They don't turn it over. And the defense just shuts teams down. That's how they're going to win. Drew Aller has yet to show he has that takeover the game capability quite yet. So for games against Ohio State and Michigan, that's how they're going to need to dominate. And you know what? I'm going to buy into it. I expect them to. I'm, I, I'm riding with the many lines. You and I were high on them in the preseason. And they're showing it right now.
0: I'm right there with you. I mean, obviously, I think Drew Aller played well. He had to he had to weather the storm literally in the rain. So I think three touchdowns and 176 yards is a pretty good stat line if it's pouring rain for a quarterback. Where I need to see them improve is Nick Singleton. Why are you not <clears throat> taking over games as the lead back? This is kind of crazy thus far. We expected this guy to be in the Heisman hunt by this by now, but as I said. And as you said, I think this Penn State team is going to get explosive later on in the year. It's just a matter of time. The defense looks great they are dominating time of possession as you said but I think they're going to get that time of possession down to like 30 minutes later on in the year when they're starting to hit some big plays downfield and things start to open up for them. Obviously a huge win yeah I mean things are going well in Happy Valley. I think they cemented themselves contenders for that Big Ten title.
1: Yeah especially after watching Ohio State this weekend. Not saying Ohio State played bad because they played they played some fucking great football but their offense again didn't wow me so I expect them to struggle against teams like Penn State that can come in and play some top-notch defense
0: yeah and you mentioned ohio state that's our next game on the docket here ohio state at notre dame game of the week and as much to say as i hate to say it what a win for the buckeyes
1: they toughed out a game that uh the scoreboard makes it seem like it was you know lackluster this was a phenomenal football game no turnovers from either team both defenses came to play, and <laughs> the only people that didn't come to play were the head coaches, man. I mean, my God, were there some incredible blunders uh, that I'll get to here in just a second. But yeah, I'll give Ohio State their, their fair share of flowers right now. They came out of South Bend with a gritty, gritty, gritty victory. And biggest thing, they didn't turn it over. Cal McCord, again, didn't wow me, but kept good care the, took good care of the football let his team down the field in clutch time for the game-winning touchdown and did what he had to do to win this game this ohio state defense is elite the Notre dame defense is elite both these teams are elite this came down to a couple of dumb coaching decisions and a last minute drive that kyle mccord showed me he was ready to do so great game on both sides ohio state gets the win here but can we talk about these coaching decisions for a second again we talked about davos we and how bad his game is was Ryan Day, brother, what are you doing running jet sweeps on fourth and one? What are we doing? Did you not learn your lesson from the Georgia game last year? You did the exact same thing in the college football playoff. And let me remember if that worked out. It didn't. It didn't work again this time either. What the fuck are you doing? And then Marcus Freeman, my God, 10 guys on the field for the final play of the game. There was a gap. The size of the state of Texas on the left side of the Ohio State offensive line. Guess where they ran the football? Right there. It's the left side of the line. And Marcus Freeman's quote actually, actually made me angry. He said he had their D lineman on the sidelines right next to him and didn't didn't send him out there because they couldn't afford a penalty. And if you're thinking to yourself, wait, wouldn't a penalty just be offsides half distance to the goal, which in this case would be about four inches? You're absolutely correct. That would have been the fucking penalty, and the argument of oh, well, if they didn't get it, that means they would have had another chance. Well, I would hope that if they don't get it with 10 guys on the field, they sure as hell won't get it with the correct number 11 out there. So I'll take my chances with 11 guys versus 10. Horrible coaching blunders that really put a damper on an otherwise flawless game of football.
0: Absolutely, both teams played incredibly well on the defensive side and offensive side of the football. Got to highlight Trey Henderson, man. He finally popped down in this game. That was huge. Kyle McCord, he did lead that drive down the field. I hate that he was acting like he won the Heisman afterwards, like he actually did anything in this game. This was all Trey Henderson and the defense. Great win for Ohio State. I mean, Notre Dame's playoff chances have to be done after this, right? Especially because now they only got Clemson and Duke on the schedule as real content- or as real teams do they play FSU. No,
1: they don't play FSU. But they they'll play USC. But they're they're they got to win out. And then their signature wins are Duke, USC, and Clemson. I, they're not getting it.
0: Especially because I feel like this Ohio State is bound to lose a game this year.
1: Yeah, I mean this this loss, I mean, won't look bad. But if you give me an 11-1 Notre Dame team with their signature wins being. Their only ranked wins being USC and Duke, potentially. They're not getting in over, let's just hypothetically say, Georgia, Texas, Washington, and Florida State. Or Michigan. <laughs> Penn, Sorry, State. To be in.
0: Oh, Penn State. Um, yeah. Penn State, too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, tough loss for Notre Dame. You kind of felt like the air gets sucked out of that stadium the second they lost because everyone knew, oh, shit, we're not making the playoffs again. Yeah. Which sucks because this is Sam Hartman's last year in college football, so you're kind of – you're playing for a New Year Six Bowl, which is okay. That's a good step for Marcus Freeman in his second year, but you're absolutely right. Marcus Freeman lost his team this game. Um, Nothing much,
1: nothing much else to say there. Yeah, well, moving forward, like you said, Notre Dame needs to win out to have any chance. I think their chances are done. And Ohio State, my takeaways are their defense is legit, and McCord isn't wowing me but he's not making mistakes and that's all they need from him right now.
0: Exactly I mean both teams protected the football super well. Yep. Alright <clears throat> time for winners and losers of the week Gavin I'm going to let you kick it off the winner of the week for you.
1: First winner is the Big Ten Conference. How can he not be a winner after this week? You take down Notre Dame on the road and talk about Ohio State obviously. Uh, Penn State comes out and establishes themselves as a perennial powerhouse this year and Michigan takes care of business with Rutgers and Wisconsin looks like a maybe somewhat competent football team so you obviously have the three big names at the top of the conference all ranked in the top six this week in the AP poll big steps forward for the Big Ten Conference looking to get back into the college football playoff and be represented by our conference champion for another year oh yeah
0: all right my first winner of the week is basketball schools Kentucky (laughs) Kansas Duke North Carolina even Louisville four no head into week five now it's going to change in a big way this next week cuz they all play really good teams. But we got to clap it up for these schools who are usually looking forward to March at this point in the year.
1: They're looking good. Give me give me that list again.
0: Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, Louisville. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, North Carolina kind of scared me for a little bit with with Pitt, but uh they Turned it around and came out on top. So, yep, big winners. My second winners, plural, got to be Miami and Duke. Uh, You just mentioned Duke is a winner. I am ha- I have them as a winner here for a different reason, not only because they look good, but because the top of the ACC, and by the top, I mean Clemson and Florida State, look like shit. This co- this, this conference is wide open. And these teams, Miami and Duke, they've looked very good this year. Duke stops the pass better than just about every school in the country. They're top three in past defense in just about every metric. Miami stops the run better than just about anybody. They're top five in the country in just about every run defense metric. Tyler Van Dyke and company are putting it on display right now. Look out for Miami and Duke to potentially make a run at this title before the, the ACC championship game to potentially leapfrog the Seminoles and potentially give the Seminoles two losses heading into the championship game.
0: I like it. I think North Carolina Duke is going to decide who plays in that ACC championship game, which kind of sucks, but we'll see how it goes. We shall see. We shall see. All right. My second winner of the week mentioned earlier, the Washington state Cougars this, and that's just because this team belongs in the power five. This is ridiculous. They're proving everyone wrong. Cam Ward is playing like a Heisman candidate. And I really think Oregon state will not be the last team they knock off in the PAC 12.
1: They look good this weekend. and I expect some big things on moving forward. My third and final winner staying in the PAC 12 is the Oregon Ducks, and not just because of their win this weekend, but because of how they won it. They took care of business, and because of what I saw from Lincoln Riley's squad down in Tempe, to me, Oregon established themselves as the clear second best team in the conference this weekend. Uh, considering USC's struggles with the Sun Devils, and that's what they needed to do. So, big week for the Oregon Ducks moving forward. I expect them to continue to play great football uh, until they get to that Washington game.
0: I I like it. I like it. I hate Dan Lanning still, but I like it. Um, My last winner of the weekend is Brian Frentz Deepfakes. Shout out to Twitter. <laughs> telling us what that coach what's going on in that guy's mind because this year's gonna be rough for him he deserves to laugh at his own pain a little bit i agree i couldn't agree more all right heading over to losers gav kick us off
1: <laughs> anyone with the last name ference my yeah. god uh yeah they'll uh I, I expect both of them to be out of a job come season's end certainly uh certainly steven will because they they aren't averaging 25 points a game that ain't gonna happen uh and yeah i expect uh or not steven i don't know why I just said Steven, but i expect kirk to be out of a job as well uh, after Iowa barely makes a bowl game. Yeah, yeah.
0: <clears throat> it's going to be a slow grind to six wins. My loser of the week, Gav? Mike Gundy. Back-to-back brutal losses for Gundy and Oklahoma State. You got South Alabama last week, Iowa State this week. Ugh. This is a team I think a lot of us were expecting to take over the Big 12 with the departure of Texas and Oklahoma, but man, I mean, they can't even run with Iowa State. Losers.
1: Loser. My second loser, the Bama offensive line. You still prove to me- me. you cannot protect Jalen Milrow. You will not be able to compete with any powerhouse schools moving forward if that is the case. I like it. I like
0: it. My other loser this week, and we're staying in the big twelve. It's finally time to admit that Texas Tech is dead. Just one and three <laughs> a year, and it looks like Tyler's show is done. Bad take from us. Time to bury this Texas Tech team. We love you and we're gonna move on.
1: Damn it, not my Red Raiders. Uh, but unfortunately, I think you're right. My third loser, and this is my mega loser of the week. Coaching and game management. You are an absolute loser this week. I'm looking at you, Davo Sweeney. I'm looking at you, Ryan Day. I'm looking at you, Marcus Freeman. This weekend made me believe I can coach college football. And I am not kidding when I say that. So absolute loser in that department. I hope we see more teams utilizing the QB sneak on any down and one yard to go moving forward.
0: I like it. All right. My last was the week is Lane Kiffin's hopes of turning Ole Miss into a contender. I feel bad for Joey Freshwater. He may never beat Bama. Ole Miss (laughs) is going to be a perpetual 15 to 23 ranked team in the country forever. And Lane Kiffin will eventually leave to take a job at Texas A&M. (laughs)
1: Probably right about that.
0: All right. Jumping into the picks of the weekend. I went one and two. Some brutal losses with UCLA plus four and a half. And obviously Notre Dame money line. Rutgers plus 24 and a half. Never a doubt.
1: Yeah. And the UCLA, I mean, you could have easily gotten there. If Dante Moore just didn't look like a freshman, unfortunately. Uh, Two and one for me. I'll take it. Decent week. Uh, With my lone loss being Oregon State minus two and a half. I was simply on the wrong side of that one. There's no way around it. Washington State at home really shut me up and showed me that I should have been riding with the homeowner dog as I usually do um, but other than that Notre Dame plus three and a half I mentioned it last week I got three and a half hook early in the week because I expected the line to drop a little bit which it did I know a lot of Notre Dame betters who pushed on that one I got the win um, and then that UCLA Utah under I mean too easy <laughs> too, too, too easy and I, I looked ahead to the, to the total this week and Vegas is starting to catch on a little bit because they set that Utah Oregon State under under at 45 so they draw through the full eight points from what they set the utah under at this past week or the ucla one at this past week again i said it last week i said it again this week if vegas continues to price utah totals anywhere near 50 points i'm going to keep attacking those till the day i die oh yeah
0: <clears throat> those unders are pretty easy i mean we'll see if utah can actually put up some points when cam rising gets back but for now we gotta let it be all right heading over to the pros and the nfl is just wide open this year i mean i think the dolphins and the niners are the only good teams this year. <laughs>
1: I'm still waiting to see who the contenders and pretenders are. You're absolutely right. Dolphins, though, that was uh, that was my team in the ACC, or not ACC, the AFC preview. Let's not forget, I, I call them, I believe, the most talented team on both sides of the football. I think I was only referring to the AFC East. Now I'm starting to think about the NFL with the two best play callers talking about Vic Fangio and Mike McDaniel.
0: And for those of you just listening today, because obviously we don't have video, Gavin just read, I have the Dolphins as the most talented football team in the world off his computer. So this kid Is he's locked in. He's right. Gavin was right. We're giving him his flowers. All right. Let's start with Chargers and Vikings because the Minnesota Vikings are fucking dead.
1: They're dead. Time to tank. Both these teams are bad. Uh, and Brandon Staley tried his best to give this game away. It's so hard, man. Oh tried no. so hard to lose this game. Um, another another fourth and one blunder. What are we doing? Calling a fullback dive on fourth and one with two minutes left. Put the ball in the hands of Justin Herbert, man. What the fuck was that? Um, there was not a lick of defense played in this game. Each team went for uh, I think 425 yards of offense. It was fucking embarrassing. And the Vikings lose in the most Vikings way possible on a triple deflected pass finally picked off uh, by the Chargers. <laughs> My takeaway is this game was kind of funny to me, actually, because it was a battle of who wanted this game just slightly less. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't teams wanted to win. I, both of these teams will probably finish under 500, but their offenses are phenomenal, especially the passing attacks. These, the, This is uh, the second and third ranked teams through three weeks in terms of passing offense and they're each bottom five in terms of defense so moving forward they don't play defense they throw the ball very well the chargers are horribly coached they're going to win because their offenses are efficient but these two teams are going to be hard to watch
0: it's crazy how bad the chargers are dude i mean you got jc jackson is a healthy and active the guy you just paid 85 million to over five years derwin james is addicted to unnecessary roughness penalties like this chargers team is so bad i mean as you said Brandon staley literally emptied the playbook to try and lose this game and he just couldn't do it jumping over the Vikings though it, it kind of feels like every break they caught last year is going the opposite way this year so maybe they can stick this out and like next year everything will even out and they'll play consistent football but yeah man for now they're looking into I mean they'll probably beat the Bears but they're looking third place territory in the NFC North
1: yeah it's, it's a shame the Bears are as bad as they are because my Vikings finishing last in the conference prediction not conference last in the division prediction is looking pretty good right now um you know if, if Justin Fields and company they weren't a goddamn dumpster fire.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see. Justin Fields might decide to play better. He might decide his offensive line has time for him to throw. We'll see. Um, we'll see. Jumping over to the big game of the weekend and the Dolphins putting up 10 total touchdowns on the Broncos. Gavin, take it from here. This is your squad. You were right. I'm
1: riding with Miami as long as Tua is still the quarterback. That was my one caveat and the only reason why I didn't, you know, glaze this team even more for lack of better words. We'll see what they're like this week. They got, buffalo in buffalo this week i am very excited for that football game uh but they're, they're proving my take 100 percent right and that is that they have insane talent on the offensive side of the football we knew this tyree Hill is unguardable jalen waddle who didn't even play in this game remember they were without jalen waddle this weekend and they put up 70 points uh he is unguardable raheem Mostert and uh devon a chain are probably the, the fastest running back combo in football they are really hard to stop. Tua just has to not turn the ball over, Find the guy that's wide open every fucking play. And on the defensive side, they're incredibly talented. The front seven gets after quarterbacks. And the secondary, Xavier Howard is starting to play well. And Vic Fangio is one of the best defensive minds in the game. Stay healthy. And this team is a serious threat in the uh, in the AFC.
0: Stay healthy is right, man. I mean, McDaniels and Tua, we got to start talking about them as one of the best QB coach combos in the NFL. Obviously, I think the only other two notes I have from this is Sean Payne's a douchebag for leaving Russell Wilson in this entire game. What the hell was that? Yeah, that was up. Uh, and then, uh, shout out McDaniels for deciding to kneel instead of go for the record. I mean, he could have easily put this team away, but I think that's the sign that he's a real, I mean, not the sign. He's proven all year that he's a great head coach, but the fact that he's saying, hey, we don't care about records. We want to win the big game. Let's move on, get this game over with. This does not matter to me. Come on. Props to my McDaniel.
1: Yeah, love him. And on the, uh, on the Broncos side of things, moving forward, it's, it's, it's hard for me to say they're not an 0 and 3 team and they haven't played like one because they lost two games at home to the the Raiders and the Commanders. They look bad. And even with the skewed defensive stats, their defense is like back half of of the league right now. On offense, their passing game is incredibly efficient. They're top eight in the league and in in their passing offense. And the rest of the offensive stats are fine. I'm waiting for them to win some games moving forward because right now, well, obviously I'm just writing this game off as talent gap. But in the first two games, they just couldn't close. So I want them to close football games. I do think they'll get back to semi okay. Okay, but they look bad right now.
0: Yeah, they're really bad. And I I can't believe I took them plus six and a half this weekend. I'm really going to have to go to <laughs> All right, jumping over to another QB coach duo, and that is the Texans and the Jaguars. And Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson have some work to do.
1: Oh, I thought we were talking about uh, D'Amico Ryan and CJ Stroud, because that was the QB head coach duo that looked good this weekend. But yeah, uh, I am starting to have serious concerns about the Jags. They are incredibly inefficient on offense. Uh, One of my go-to metrics would be yards per point, and they're second to last in the league in that right now, which essentially means for every point they score, they're gaining a lot of yards. So they're, they're moving the ball, but they're not converting, which if they change that, They'll start to be a decent decent team moving forward, contingent upon if they can fix their pass defense. Their pass defense is bottom five in the league right now. They are getting gassed through the air. They made C.J. Stroud look like a seasoned veteran this weekend. They turned the ball over twice. The Texans turned it over zero times. Great performance from the Texans taking care of the football, coming into Duval County and picking up a win that nobody expected them to 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 win.
0: Yeah, man, the Colts and the Texans, you got to watch out for them. Big wins this weekend for both teams. But yeah, as I said in the preview, this Jacksonville defense is not good. They have some great pass rushers. Josh Allen, Walker, that's not going to get it done this year, though. They need to play better as a unit. Offensive line has been a lot better than I expected. But Trevor Lawrence just needs to be more consistent. I mean, Travis Etienne's been inconsistent. Lawrence's been inconsistent. This team will find its rhythm, I feel like, because there is talent there. But yeah, man, Dougie P needs to show that he is a coach that has won a Super Bowl and get this team going quickly.
1: Yeah. Like you said, going to need to figure it out with Trevor Lawrence, going to need to figure it out with the ground game. I don't know if the defense is outable, but they can certainly improve against the pass. Like I said, making CJ Stroud look like a veteran was downright abysmal. Uh, and they need they need to take care of the football. So the good thing for them is that the division they play in is potentially the worst in football. So they will have a chance to win it. But the Colts are two and one right now. So figure it out quick, Jacksonville.
0: 100 percent Just talking about the Colts. Is it time to start respecting the Colts, man? The Ravens a <laughs> little bad, or are the Ravens just not as good as we thought? Who knows?
1: Well, the Ravens committed two key turnovers, uh, from on the Colts' 20-yard line one time, and giving it away on their own 20 a different time. Matt Gay, let's talk about him. Player of the week. He hit four 50-yard field goals this week. Four of them. I don't know if that's an NFL record, but that is incredible, and that is the reason they won this game. The Colts couldn't convert. I mean, like that that stat alone tells you everything you need to know. They were able to get down the field kind of, and then allow Matt Gay to do the rest. But they took care of the football. They didn't turn it over. The Ravens did. That was the difference in this game. If they can hold on to the football moving forward, they might just be able to steal this division.
0: They also get Anthony Richardson back this week, which is going to be huge for them. Yes,
1: yes. He's, he's very dynamic. Been, been great so far in the games he's played. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Lamar
0: did everything he could to try and help this team win. I mean, but they just couldn't. Like, it, this felt like a game where we were just waiting for the Ravens to take control of it, and they just couldn't do it. Like, they just were, like, lollygagging around letting the Colts hang around and then it just came back to bite them but uh this AFC North has starting to look more and more wide open by the week <laughs> yeah it's funny there's
1: all kinds of all kinds of divisions just opening up and you said uh, you said that at the very start nobody looks like they like they want it you got the Chiefs you got the Niners and you got the Dolphins and beyond that I'm waiting for somebody to show me that they really 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 want to win football games
0: well I feel like the Chiefs fan base just grew by a billion people with Taylor Swift there this weekend so they (laughs) They, they They might have figured it out a little bit, but we'll see how it goes. (laughs) Uh, Jumping over to another team who we got to talk about, and that's the Cowboys visiting the Cardinals, and Gavin Dak is still Dak.
1: Well, in this game, he didn't do enough to win. You're right. Uh, As a matter of fact, he threw a pick at the end that was very, very, very not good. Uh, That was a horrible read. That looked like the Dak we know from the past couple of seasons. But I'm talking this one up. A, is a one-off. They'll bounce back. Uh, But B, I am more concerned about the fact that the Cardinals ran for 200 yards on this defense, and the fact that the Cowboys... Cowboys committed 13 penalties in this game. That is the stat I'm looking at. You're not going to beat anybody committing 13 penalties. And it showed because they lost to the worst team in football. Uh, The Cardinals are not good. They still suck, but they gashed this Cowboys defense on the ground early. If you look at the game flow and how it all came together, Cardinals come out, run game, three points. Cowboys punt. Cardinals come back, run it down the field, six points, nine, nothing. Cowboys come out. They get a field goal. All right. Like we couldn't convert when we got down in the red zone, whatever Cardinals come back touchdown again. Just run, 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 run. Dak comes back and leads the team down for a touchdown. Now we're at 15-10. Cardinals come out, another field goal with the run game. Cowboys punt, Cardinals come back, field goal, 21-10, Go in the half. All right, time to reset. The Cardinals just ran all over the field on us. Let's come out, second half, and get right back in this. And they come out, and again, field goal. Couldn't convert down the red zone. And here's where it starts to get into Dak, Dak problem territory. Couldn't convert there. Cardinals punt. The Cowboys now have the ball with a chance to tie the game. It's a one-possession game. They get down to the four-yard line. All offensive holding penalty. Back them up. Third and 13. Just a killer penalty. They end up going for it on fourth and three. Cannot convert. Killer right there. Cardinals give the ball back to them again. And that's where the Dak pit. And then we get, get down there. Another field goal, 21-16. Couldn't convert. Blame that on Dak. Cardinals score a touchdown, 28-16. And then the infamous pick we uh, that I alluded to earlier. The Cowboys had... Every chance to get back in this game. What gashed them in the first half was the run defense, which it'll be fine moving forward. It'll be fine. And then the second half, it was Dak not being able to convert in the red zone as well as the penalties.
0: 100%. And I'm right there with you. I think this game's easily a one off. I think this defense was still in a little shock after losing Trayvon Diggs, that ugly ACL injury in practice this week. Obviously, Dak needs to figure it out a little bit. And I mean, he's done a great job protecting the football this year. I think he's played a little conservative at times, but this offense is way too talented play put up that few points like i mean i think we can just chalk
1: this up to josh
0: Dallas being the best dual threat qb in the nfl
1: <laughs> baby he didn't have to do a whole lot though like i said they were getting gashed um but moving forward we are going to need to see dak take over some games we said it in the preview this defense is legit. The offense has the weapons. They go as far as Dak takes them. And I need to see him be less tentative in the big spots and really step up and be the guy that wins some games.
0: Yep, absolutely. All right, rounding out the weekend. And it's we gotta talk about this game, unfortunately. Steelers at Raiders. What do you want me to say, Gav? This is we were <laughs> one of the most poorly coached teams in the NFL. I mean, we harp on Brandon Staley all the time, but Josh McDaniel fucking sucks. Jimmy G made some horrible decisions in this game, mistakes all across the team defense i will tell you this if marcus peters picks off that football we win this game bailed out we got bailed out by a bad hamilton helmet call that should never have been made oh and of course dude the field goal the infamous field goal with two minutes left in the game because josh mcdaniel doesn't trust this offense to convert on fourth and one you're an offensive minded head coach you bring in a quarterback to run your offense who you can finally trust because oh Derek carr was the problem we can't trust Derek with the football in the red zone well you can't trust jimmy g either i guess Devonte adams is pissed josh jacobs is pissed jacoby myers is a nice bright spot uh oh and we don't use hunter renfro at all um yeah man i mean we're the denver broncos pretty much yeah i'd say we're, we are the denver broncos that's that's I'm my here
1: for you, man the, the the trust circle exists i'm sorry your team is uh just an absolute dumpster fire the, the field goal going back to coaching and game management and being a loser this week. Uh, exhibit A right there. Math. I'll talk about the Steelers because the Steelers are my team this year. I mean, obviously the Seahawks are my team, but... Um, you can't talk about the
0: Steelers after this game. We're just bad. No, the Steelers did not look good. <laughs>
1: Kenny Pickett almost threw three picks. <laughs> almost, but he threw zero. But yeah, Steelers, Steelers' defense looks great. We know that. But Kenny can't do it by himself. They need to get a run game going. It doesn't exist right now. And as long... The, the passing game is going to be average. We know that, but if the Steelers can get a run game going, the defense is good enough for them to cause some havoc in that wide-open AFC North. I
0: hate to break it to you, if you can't get a run game going against the Raiders, you're not going to get it going against anyone.
1: Yeah, you're probably right on that, so we'll see what happens moving forward.
0: Yep, 100%. Uh, Monday Night Football, kind of a wash. I mean, the Joe Burrow finally got a win, but he still didn't look like he'd move the ball down the field effectively. Jalen Hurts played a little better, but I still need to see more out of him. Eagles might be the worst 3-0 team in the NFL right now.
1: The Eagles are fucking frauds, and I, I cannot believe this team went to the fucking Super Bowl last year. I mean, they haven't played any good teams. They played, what, the Vikings, the Bucks, and the Patriots. Well, they played the Patriots, and even that game was ugly. They had two big defensive plays at the start of the game, and they only won by seven points. So yeah. I want to see them play a real defense, play a real team, and really get tested before I'm ready to buy in there.
0: 100%. 100%. All right. Let's wrap up the show with picks and Gav, yeah, you had a huge weekend. So let's let's give you your flowers on 3 0.
1: 3 0 man. Haven't done that in a while. Feels good. Uh the Browns Titans under was my play of the week. Pretty spot on there. The Browns scored 27 themselves, kind of kind of worried me, but I was spot on and saying the Titans cannot move the football, especially on the road in Cleveland. Uh Seattle minus six. I was actually really concerned about that pick, considering we were missing half our defense. Uh, which I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> leading up, leading up to that pick that I was given, uh, we came away all right. And then Packers money line. That game took uh, probably a decade off my life, but Jordan Love and company gets it done in the fourth quarter and gets me my three and zero weekend.
0: Yep, and then I went crazy with a nice little 0 and 3 here. Broncos <laughs> plus six and a half, never a doubt. Jets, Patriots over 37. Oh my god! And of course, Titans money line. Just a brutal weekend for me. So I'm gonna go back to the drawing board, pick up some things here, and uh, come back to you guys on Thursday with some better picks.
1: Hey, you went you went the experimentation route. Now we know what doesn't work. We'll yep. we'll, we'll get square one here.
0: Yeah, we're gonna have to figure out what picks. Maybe I'll have a. We just got a cat over here, so maybe I'll put some treats out and have him pick my gambling. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, throw like a, throw down a couple of pieces of paper and have them paw one of them.
0: Yep, 100%. All right, <laughs> speaking of this week, we will see you guys on Thursday for a big old breakdown in the NFL and college football action heading into the weekend.